If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of June 12, 2022. The podcast that puts quarters in the homes of troops. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's subvaricate the news of the bogus. More about what the Ukraine war is really about and which side it is that doesn't want to discuss peace as we've covered in the past. Diplomat Craig Murray wasn't in Turkey as a journalist, but as a peace activist hoping to further peace talks between Ukraine and Russia. But he felt he had to report on some of what he saw when he noticed that there were precisely zero Western reporters at the talks. Turkey has always been the center for diplomatic activity regarding the war, and that continues to be the case. Yet the Western journalists all seem to be in Ukraine producing war porn while embedded with Ukrainian authorities. None of them seem to be making any attempt whatsoever to cover the attempts to make peace. The big change happened a couple of weeks ago when Ukraine shifted to a stance where it would cede no territory at all in any peace deal. That had always been the case with disputed territories in Donbass, but now that has been extended to Crimea as well. That's for those of you who still doubted that this had anything to do with the 2014 Euromaidan coup. On May 21, Zelensky's office released a statement saying, quote, The war must end with a complete restoration of Ukraine's territorial integrity and sovereignty. Showing either ignorance or a willingness to lie about the history of Ukraine, since Donbass and Crimea were part of Russia for centuries, only shifted into Ukraine by Joseph Stalin in the case of Donbass and Nikita Khrushchev in the case of Crimea. So before we get into Murray's comments, let's cover a recent article by John Quigley, who led talks on Donbass and Crimea in the 1990s. When the Soviet Union fell, there were many who thought the borders in all the former Soviet states should revert to where they were in 1918 to preserve cultural sovereignty and prevent unrest. That didn't happen. So the 1990s are a very relevant time period. Quigley was appointed by the U.S. State Department to be a facilitator on the status on the disputed areas, along with two others, one from Germany and the other from Italy. They recommended full authority for Crimea under international oversight, but instead, Ukraine cracked down on Crimea. In 2014, the coup resulted in Crimea formally joining the Russian Federation, something that Ukraine, and now the rest of the Western states, refused to acknowledge. As for Donbass, an agreement was made where Ukraine would formally recognize the autonomy of the region. Zelensky came into office promising to recognize that, a promise he blatantly violated. According to Quigley, quote, Ukraine is unlikely to get Crimea back, no matter how Russia's war plays out. Ukrainians do not have the attachment that Russians have towards Crimea. A Crimea under Russia may be better for long-term stability. As for the Donbass, it would not be difficult for Ukraine to offer more autonomy than it has to date. A renewed Ukrainian commitment on autonomy could be framed by the Russian government as a victory. Unfortunately, the Biden administration is throwing a big monkey wrench into the works. Quote, It has framed the conflict in apocalyptic terms as a battle between democracy and authoritarianism. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's claim that the West is viewing the conflict as a proxy war against Russia 
cannot be lightly dismissed. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has set a long-term aim of weakening Russia. It's reasonable to question whether the U.S. goal is less to force Russia out of Ukraine than to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says that the Biden administration keeps a close eye on efforts to promote a negotiated end to the war, but the United States has definitely taken a back seat. He expressed hopes that the situation is ripe for a rekindling of peace negotiations, but according to Murray, that soon got shot all to hell. Murray said, quote, The new Ukrainian stance, that there will be no peace deal without recovering the Crimea, has ended for now any hopes of an early ceasefire. It appears to be a militarily unachievable objective. I cannot think of any scenario in which Russia de facto loses Crimea without the serious possibility of worldwide nuclear war. This blow to the peace process was a setback in Ankara, and I should say that every source I spoke with believed the Ukrainians were acting on instructions conveyed from Washington to Zelensky by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who openly stated he wanted the war to wear down Russian defense capabilities. Of course, you won't hear any of this from the Western news media, nor will you hear about how, according to the UN, a lack of grain exports is driving many in the world to famine. Quote, Turkey has for now turned towards the more limited goal of ensuring that grain supplies can be shipped out from the Black Sea through the Bosphorus. This is essential for developing nations and essential for world food supplies, which were already under pressure before this war began. Turkey is offering to clear sea lanes of mines and to police the ships carrying grain from the port of Odessa, which is still under Ukrainian control. Russia has agreed to the deal. Ukraine is objecting to this plan to export its own wheat. There is monumental hypocrisy by the West on this, blaming Russia for preventing the export of the grain, while it is actually blocked in by Ukraine's own mines, which they currently refuse to allow Turkey to remove. Ukraine and Russia together comprise one-third of world grain exports and two-thirds of sunflower oil exports. While Ukrainians face the reality of dying from war, many in other countries will die from hunger as collateral damage, all but unrecognized by the West. Quote, The headline here is that the USA and EU are pushing Ukraine to block any food deal. The view in both Ankara and the developing world is that the big picture of millions facing starvation is being lost. The experience has made me so cynical that I am left wondering if the interests of the powerful agricultural lobbies in both the EU and USA are influencing policy. High world food prices benefit some powerful interests. Yeah, not just the military-industrial complex like we've said before. Lots of cronies have their hands in this cookie jar. I'll let Murray have the last word on this story. Quote, I blame Putin for starting a war that does nothing to redress Russian long-term security concerns. But the truth is that politicians in the West are equally keen on this war. Boris Johnson yesterday was blatantly promoting it for his own survival. Anybody who makes any effort to stop the killing, Presidents Macron and Erdogan, President of Turkey in particular, are immediately and universally denounced by the liberal media. Yet, what is the end result that the liberal warmongers wish to achieve? When we reach the stage that Henry Kissinger is a comparative voice of sanity, the political situation is indeed dire.
If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. One thing you are starting to hear from news media is something you'd get kicked off of social media for saying over the last two years. Voting machines just might not be as secure as they need to be. The Associated Press has reported that electronic voting machines from Dominion Voting Systems used in at least 16 states have software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking if they're not addressed. They take care to point out that the finding, quote, is unrelated to false allegations of a stolen election pushed by former President Donald Trump after his 2020 election loss. Of course, no one was claiming that the voting machines were hacked, but that didn't stop the press and politicians from vilifying anyone who dared to say that our elections were anything other than absolutely the most secure in history. The advisory details nine vulnerabilities and recommends proactive measures to prevent or detect exploitation. According to SISA Executive Director Brandon Wales, the states are already doing everything they can to detect exploitation, but the advisory says that just isn't the case. They recommend mitigation measures to be applied before every election and reviewed afterward, and say that's just not being done. The primary author of the report, computer scientist J. Alex Halderman of the University of Michigan, has long been an opponent of digital technology to record votes as computers are inherently vulnerable to hacking. He and many others insist that hand-marked paper ballots is the most secure method of voting and the only method that allows for meaningful post-election audits. Quote, These vulnerabilities, for the most part, are not ones that could be easily exploited by someone who walks in off the street, but they are things that we should worry could be exploited by sophisticated attackers, such as hostile nation-states or by election insiders, and they would carry very serious consequences. The vulnerabilities could be exploited by anyone with physical access to the machines or someone who could attach a USB stick to any machine in the election management system. They could also forge cards used by technicians, allowing them to change the software inside the machines, mark the ballots differently from how the voter voted, alter recorded votes, or even identify the secret ballots of voters. U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg resisted making the report public, saying it could result in the systems being exploited, revealing that she's completely unfamiliar with Kirchhoff's principle and probably shouldn't be in any position of decision-making about this. Reading over this AP report, 
It's actually kind of disturbing how many times they say it obviously wasn't done to steal the 2020 election and how all claims of 2020 election manipulation are completely false conspiracy theories. Ponder for yourself why they'd feel the need to say that over and over again. You might also ponder how anyone could be certain of that when almost every attempt to audit the election was thwarted by the victors. One solution is for the ballot to be both human and machine-readable, and not in the way they are in Georgia, where the machine-readable portion is a QR code that, for all any human observer knows, may not match the human-readable portion. For people who can't physically fill out a ballot by hand, the ballot should be printed with an OCR font, where the actual text is easily readable by both humans and machines. Dominion claims that the vulnerabilities have been addressed in the latest software, but really, we only have their word for that, which is why it's also important that all voting machines be based 100% on open-source software, easily buildable and verifiable via cryptographic hash by anyone who wants to look and see. As it is, Haldeman said that as far as he knows, quote, no one but Dominion has had the opportunity to test their asserted fixes. Other mitigation factors include secure, air-gapped machines, rigorous pre- and post-election testing, as well as post-election audits being standard, and visual verification of the human-readable ballots. And if anyone starts screeching when they hear someone recommend that, demand that they explain why. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. So we covered the lawsuit against the pirate site streaming Israeli TV shows and how the court even went so far as to order compliance from all U.S. ISPs. Here we see what they'll do to those who don't comply, even if they were no part of the lawsuit. To wit, Cloudflare. The Israeli anti-piracy group Zira won over $7.6 million against each of IsraelTV.com, Israel.tv, and Estara.tv. U.S. District Judge Catherine Polkfaia also took the extraordinary step of issuing a permanent injunction requiring every ISP in the country to block subscriber access to the sites, including any new domains registered after the lawsuit. Although that part of the judgment was suspended, it was still the case that many providers, including Google, Facebook, MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, Namecheap, Amazon, and Cloudflare, were ordered to stop doing business with the sites and anyone behind them, 
even though no one knew exactly who that was. They were also ordered to hand over all documentation and freeze the assets of defendants. The domains were seized and the websites replaced with a legal piracy warning. Although it's not known how many of the others are complying, the plaintiffs have singled out Cloudflare, who wasn't a party to the case and never appeared in court. Plaintiffs claim that, in addition to not receiving any response from Cloudflare to their demands, there were also five additional domains that were created associated with the defendants, although again, it's not clear how that was established. The plaintiffs wrote, As recently as 22 May 2022, five additional domains associated with the infringing website were created and opened accounts with Cloudflare. Thus, despite being served with the order over a month ago, Cloudflare failed to comply therewith. Cloudflare is still providing services that enable defendants' infringing website to operate and permitted a user or users to establish at least five new accounts that configured the website to use Cloudflare's services through new domains. Connecting Internet users to Israel.tv in this manner benefits defendants and quite fundamentally assists them in violating the injunction because without it, Users would not be able to connect a defendant's site unless they knew the specific IP address for the site. They request that Cloudflare be held in contempt of court, a court that they never even set foot in. They also want the court to order compliance and also award attorney's fees and court costs to the plaintiffs. If the motion is granted, then it should be considered by any thinking ethical person to be an absolute perversion of justice. But that's even more the case when you consider how unclear the situation is. Cloudflare had contacted the account associated with Israel.tv in early May to say that they had turned over all requested data, but that they wouldn't be shutting down the site because that's not up to them. Then, on May 26, Domain Registry VeriSign had been served with a court order to move the domain to GoDaddy. This happened, and soon after, the site was replaced with a copyright infringement warning, including an FBI seal saying the site is monitored by the FBI. This was a lie, and soon after, the FBI seal was removed. It's a crime punishable by up to a year in prison to falsely represent FBI endorsement or authorization. But at any rate, this domain name has absolutely been under plaintiff's control since May 26th, several weeks before their motion to hold Cloudflare in contempt for not removing the domain. So the domains listed in the injunction don't work anymore, not even through Cloudflare, and any new domains aren't part of the original injunction. So in a case where the U.S. doesn't even have jurisdiction to begin with because both plaintiffs and defendants are in Israel and the .tv TLD is managed by Tuvalu, a company who isn't even a party to the case is being threatened with contempt because they didn't comply with an order that's already been made moot on the claim that they haven't complied with additional orders that haven't even been issued by the court solely on the say-so of the plaintiffs. We've seen this before. The mere insistence of a copyright holder should be enough to treat someone as if they've already been found guilty. As much as everyone complains about our loss of liberties in other areas, copyright action is always at the forefront of it. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 apiece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to rebaptize this week's Biggest Bogani Emitter. And this week it goes to California Congress bully Katie Porter, who apparently thinks that Franz Kafka's novel The Trial is a legal handbook. At their hearing on gun control, where fear and invective took place of anything remotely resembling facts and logic, she directly accused the Heritage Foundation's Amy Swearer of outright perjury and then refused to let her respond. You have to hear it to believe it. Ms. Swearer, in 2019, you testified on Representative Cicilline's bill, the assault weapons ban before Congress. At the 2019 hearing, Representative Jim Jordan asked you if law-abiding people will be less safe to protect themselves if that bill was passed. Do you remember your response? I have a general idea of what I would have said under that circumstance, but no, I don't remember my specific words. You said, and I quote, I think worse than that, sir, you will see millions of otherwise law-abiding citizens become felons overnight. Yes. For nothing more than having scary-looking features on firearms. It's I was true. quite surprised by your answer. You read the bill before you came to Congress to testify against it, yes? Uh, if we are referring to the ban on assault weapons? Correct. correct. Yes. So you knew that the bill would allow any gun owner to maintain possession of any semi-automatic assault weapon that was lawfully possessed before the bill became law. No, uh, so that is the case under that bill. The problem is any time that time, is transferred to anybody else, my time, that Madam bill Chair, becomes an issue. Would you please instruct the witness that the time belongs to me? So let's be clear on what her answer was going to be. She pointed out, and it was true, that before the assault weapons ban, it was legal to transfer a firearm to someone else without going through all sorts of paperwork that the assault weapons ban then required. So if the transfer took place after the ban, you had to do some paperwork you didn't have to do before. But the assault weapons ban made it so that anyone other than the original purchaser who possessed an assault weapon without that documentation was possessing the weapon illegally even if the transfer was made before that requirement was in place. A blatant violation of the Constitution's prohibition of ex post facto laws. And that is what Swearer was pointing out at the time. Now listen to how Porter does not want her actually explaining that. If you don't want to hear an answer to my question, I, I'm not sure what's being asked. The gentlelady has reclaimed her time. So you knew that the bill, you said yes in response to my question, that you knew the bill would allow the gun owner to maintain possession of any semi-automatic assault weapon that was lawfully possessed before the bill becomes law. 
Ms. Swearer, I respect that we have different opinions on Representative Cicilline's assault weapons law, but we cannot have different facts. We have a duty to debate the merits of proposal. You falsely testified under oath. Would you that like that the bill, explanation of no, why I will I not? That? I have not yielded, Ms. Swearer. Suspend. Madam Chair, if she's going to ask questions, shouldn't she let the witness have time to The gentleman her? is not recognized. You falsely testified Madam, under Madam oath. Chair, point of order. Point of order. What is the gentleman's point? I've been of accused order? of falsely testifying she, under oath, the, and I would like to the, address the it. The gentlewoman has accused her of perjury. Is she going to hold to that, or are you going to allow the witness to respond to that accusation of, of criminal conduct? You, you have not come forward with a, a, a significant point of order. Ms. Porter will continue. I asked you if that bill was correct, if the bill would allow any gun owner to maintain possession, and you said yes, yet you testified that the bill would allow people to become felons overnight. Earlier today, you testified that you hoped that this was the last time you testified before Congress. For the sake of our nation and the integrity of this Congress, I, said I Congress do too. After a mass shooting, trying to figure out how to solve a problem that we are all heavily invested in solving. Ms. Swearer, I have not asked point of order. Point of question. Order. How dare you? Reclaiming my time. How dare you misstate the law? How dare you ask questions that you do not even want an answer to? Ms. Swearer, I'm moving on. Folks, this is what real fascism looks like. When you can make an accusation against someone and then shut them down when they attempt to respond to it, you can always make it look like you owned them and make them appear to be a liar when they're not. But that's how dangerous fascism is. That's why us non-fascists like this concept called due process. So all of that makes Katie Porter this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's cerebrate this week's Idiot Extraordinary! And more gun bogosity, this time from NPR, who actually claimed that the AR-15 is capable of beheading. The entrance wound of the 223 Remington, which the AR-15 fires, is less than a quarter of an inch around. The exit wound is generally something like three quarters of an inch. Also, you need at minimum about 17.8 kilonewtons to decapitate someone. To achieve that, 
the 115-grain bullet fired by the AR-15 would have to accelerate the person's neck at over 243,000 Gs. The AR-15 would have to be a particle accelerator. And if the 223 could decapitate someone, how much damage could a 30-06 do? It would basically vaporize them. Any amount of thought is all that's required to debunk this. And yet, NPR still tweeted, quote, The AR-15 is designed to blow targets apart. Its bullets travel with such velocity that they can decapitate an adult. After numerous reports, Twitter allows this blatant misinformation to remain. Even Rob O'Neill, the Navy SEAL who killed Osama bin Laden, said the claim is bogus, quote, It's a small caliber bullet with high velocity. It doesn't decapitate you. I shot bin Laden three times in the head up close with the same caliber, and it didn't decapitate him. He said right out there is no way it can decapitate someone, and also said that the AR-15 is excellent for home defense. Here's the difference between a journalist and a hack. An actual journalist would have checked it out. All they'd have to do is take, say, a side of beef to a firing range and shoot at it a bunch of times with an AR-15, and compare that to one you shoot with a .30-06 hunting rifle. It's that easy for them to do a reality check, and they didn't even try it. They do not care about the truth, and as a result, made themselves look like complete morons to all but the most credulous gun control nut bar. But on the plus side, it gave us one more data point into how biased and one-sided Twitter's misinformation policy is. So all of that makes NPR this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this... Has anyone ever told you you're a giggling imbecile? Edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Mohandas K. Gandhi. Among the many misdeeds of the British rule in India... History will look upon the act depriving a whole nation of arms as the blackest. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Literary 4.0 International License. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more.
And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.